Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. Bunch going on that, you know, you all need to know about. Judd Legum is with us, the founder of Popular.info, former founding editor-in-chief of ThinkProgress.org. Popular.info is the website, and his Twitter handle is Judd Legum, L-E-G-U-M. Judd, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Tom. Thanks for joining us. So two topics that you've written about, as you know, I subscribe to your newsletter and anybody can, it's free. You can just go over to popular.info and subscribe to it. One is the fake news on Facebook piece that you did. I'd love you to explain what's going on with regard to that. And then the second is you've done some follow-up reporting on a scam that the Trump campaign is running. So let's start with Facebook. An explosion of fake news on Facebook? Yeah, this was a report. It was a pretty extensive report done by an international nonprofit, Avaz. And what they did was looked at all of 2019 so far. And then just took a look at stories that were officially deemed false by fact checkers. So a fairly conservative approach to this because there's a lot of false information that, of course, the fact checkers never get to. Right. And they found that there's been at least 150 million views of fake U.S. political content, fake news about U.S. politics. That's, just more, that's more than there are U.S. voters. And yeah, so enough to reach every single voter. Yeah. You know, they kind of break that down, and it's interesting because it is about two-thirds of that are targeting Democrats, and about a third of it is targeting Republicans. There is fake news that's targeting Republicans, but... The majority of it is targeting Democrats, and this is a problem that is accelerating, both within this year. There's getting more and more of it. We'll probably see more of it as the election grows closer, and it's a bigger problem now, according to this report, than it was you know, in the months prior to the 2016 election. So right. it's a pretty big deal. Now, when you say targeting Democrats, you're not talking about a Democratic candidate trying to reach Democratic voters. You're talking about... Republicans or conservatives who are attacking Democrats. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah, like one of the big stories was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wants to ban motorcycles, you know, right? which, is, which, which is not one of her proposals. Right. Uh, no and, such thing. But that was viewed 12 million times. Wow. Wow. And that's not necessarily an ad, right? I mean, a lot of this is not advertising. It's people sharing false memes, basically. Yeah. 
Yeah, this isn't a look at the advertising. There's been a whole another kind of line of controversy around that because they're allowing politicians to do false ads. These are people who are just um, creating these news, these these fake pieces of news, mm-hmm. and distributing them via Facebook. And it's usually like a money making scheme, right? So if you have a fake story about how Democratic politician wants to ban motorcycles, and you get millions of people to view it on Facebook, and then a certain percentage of those clicks your website, and then you have advertisements on those websites, you can make a good amount of money from this type of fake news. That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Now to the Trump campaign. I, uh, back in 2016, I guess it was, maybe 2015, I donated five bucks to Donald Trump's campaign. And in fact, I, I typically will donate, you know, a small amount of money to most of the campaigns that I'm really curious about or I want to follow, I just want to get on their email list. And and to this day, I'm getting typically four or five emails a week from the Trump campaign asking for money. Yeah. And I've noticed, I'm, I'm signed up as Fred Flintstone. Dear Fred, the president wants to have lunch with you. Will you join us in Chicago? Will you join us in Atlanta? Was the one I think yesterday or the day before. We'll fly you there. We'll give you a meal. You'll have a nice time with the president. And you can bring your spouse. And you know, I've been seeing these things for months, but I've never seen anyone announced as the winner of one of these. You would expect that if there were winners, that they would be highlighting that to get more people to participate. Yeah, this is something that's been kind of digging at me for a long time. Tom, I've, I've noticed the same thing. I, I, I follow these emails as well. And there were so many contests. Now, that's not unusual because it's it's an effective way to raise money. It was really popularized by Barack Obama. He had a huge kind of series of them in 2012 that he sort of used instead of a lot of high-dollar fundraisers. Mm-hmm. But as you said, people are really eager to get the photos out, right? Because it's a photo of a politician speaking to low-dollar donors, you know, mixing in with regular folks, basically. Sure. Uh, but but I noticed the same thing you did, which was that there were no photos ever released. I started digging into this, collected all the contests. There's been 16 so far. There's actually one that's supposed to happen tomorrow uh, in Atlanta. And couldn't find any information about them. Then, almost two weeks ago now, there was one in Chicago, and I contacted the Washington Post reporter who was on the road with him there, figuring, well, maybe she can find out what the name of this person is or information about it because she's right there, and they'll just tell her because she's there right. with them. And she did ask, and they didn't tell her. So I was like, oh, this is very strange. So I put together all of the research, all the information about the 15 contests that we don't know any information about them and kind of just put it out there of, does anyone win these contests? I, I can't find any information. I don't see any photos. I don't see anything any local news articles. I don't see any individuals who participated, you know, talking about it online. I can't find anything. And the Trump campaign ignored me, didn't didn't respond to me, but Vanity Fair picked it up. The Trump campaign told them, oh, there are winners of every contest, didn't provide any proof. And then yesterday in the Daily Caller, basically provided them with a couple of people they claimed were winners, one of whom had just met Trump at a rally in 2017, which was kind of not the point of my piece at all. But the other one did win a contest to have breakfast with Trump, but she told the Daily Caller that Trump did not show up to the breakfast. Oh, she was not there. And then sometime later, she got to take a picture with him. But if you look at the advertisements and all of the marketing, in this one, there were at least four emails about this. There were hundreds of Facebook ads about this 
this one particular breakfast about how Trump really wanted to have breakfast with you. There was one, the subject I was breakfast for two. And so anyway, it, it basically, they've exposed themselves that at least this one contest is a fraud. And if this is the best example that they can come up with after being subject to some scrutiny on this, it doesn't really speak well to the experiences of the supposed winners of the 14 other contests. Well, given what so, snowflakes these guys um, are. I, I do think this is a potentially... A potentially big story. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah. Potentially a big fraud. Yeah, yeah, a, a huge fraud. Given what huge snowflakes these guys are, though, I mean, you know, Sarah Sanders complaining about somebody calling her out in a restaurant and, you know, Fox News talking about it for a whole week and all this kind of stuff. I'm surprised that they didn't at least put out the excuse that, you know, the radical left is so hostile to people who like Donald Trump that we didn't want to post their names for fear that their neighbors would, you know, blow up their houses or something, you know, or whatever. I mean, they're not even trying. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, they, they didn't really do that. You know, there's ways of doing it. I've seen some of the campaigns that will do photos, and then they'll just do first names, you know, just if they don't want to release the full name. But they weren't doing that. So I think that might have gotten them into some trouble. But they are, you know, attacking me and my reporting, saying it's fake news because of these two winners. But the fact is nobody there's no evidence that anyone has had one of these meals with trump and the one person who we know won one of the contests also did is not there have a is there trump. a legal attempt to hold him responsible for this fraud you're legally required to release the names of the winners which they haven't done right. uh, but i don't know if anyone has enforced it yet maybe new york state attorney general can get involved there you go there you go judd legum popular.info is the website and the newsletter judd thanks so much you're listening to Tom Hartman. It's increasingly looking like Donald Trump is getting ready to basically throw everybody under the bus. That his uh, defense against impeachment may well be that Mike Pompeo and Mick Mulvaney and Bill Barr have not served him well. Or at the very least, Gordon Sunderland. Is it Sunderland? Is that the right name? Sunderland? the millionaire hotel guy from Portland. And he's saying, oh, I didn't hear any testimony. That's a problem. He just thinks he can lie and BS his way through this whole thing. And, you know, he may be right. We'll find out. When these guys start realizing that he's going to throw them to the wind, it raises the question. And I'm, you know, I'm wondering what you think about this. Do you think that they're going to abandon him? I mean, I figured that if you look at all the people who've been so badly abused by Donald Trump, Jeff Sessions has got to be at the top of that list. I mean, Trump has called him a weasel and a weenie and all. I mean, well, actually, I'm not sure about those exact words, but in effect, he's called him all these things. You know, he's even commented on how short he is. Just two days ago, he said something not quite a slur, but, you know, discounting Jeff Sessions. And, you know, a month or so ago, he said if Jeff Sessions was to run for the Senate again, that he'd move to Alabama and campaign against him. And yet Jeff Sessions just released this video yesterday afternoon that was the saddest, most tragic, most pathetic thing I have ever in my life seen. I really love working for Donald Trump. I did my very best. He's a good man. He's a wonderful president. We all love Donald Trump. Right. I mean, maybe it'll fly in Alabama. Maybe it'll work. But I have a, hard, I have a feeling it's gonna, they're going to have a hard time making it work when Trump himself is not on the same page. I mean, this is obviously an attempt to get Trump to notice him and suck up to Trump. 
frankly, he'd be better off doing it by going on one of the Fox shows that Trump watches every day, going on Hannity or going on Fox and Friends, because Trump gets most of his information, not from the CIA or the NSA or defense intelligence or even, you know, the newspapers. He gets most of his information from Fox News and the print information he gets from Breitbart. I mean, that's pretty much it. He lives in a little tiny bubble that he shares with probably 20, 30 million people. And uh, we know that's the only way to reach him. I don't think putting something on YouTube is going to get to him, Jeff. So you might want to reconsider. Meanwhile, yesterday, Trump admitted to another crime, another fraud. And what's fascinating to me on MSNBC and on CNN, you can tell I bounce around a lot. Basically, whenever somebody puts a Republican on, I go to the other. <laughs> but in any case, in every one of these reports, it was like Donald Trump is paying $2 million to settle that his charity was not engaging in charitable purposes. I mean, basically, that's all they say. And I've told you before, I, I'm a big fan of the BBC podcast, Global Nightly News podcast, BBC Global Podcast, I think is the name of it. And one of the reasons I'm such a big fan of it is, for some reason, you know, a, a droning voice with a British accent just relaxes me and puts me to sleep. <laughs> so I fall asleep to the BBC podcast every single night. I, I literally do. It's become like an anchor for me to sleep. And typically I make about halfway through the podcast. It's a 30-minute podcast. And it typically takes me 10, 15 minutes to get to sleep. But last night, this just woke me right up. This is the lead story from last night's BBC Global News podcast. And just listen to how they start with the headlines. And one of the headlines is Donald Trump, you know, admits to a crime. And then they list a couple of other things. And then they say, but we start tonight with the top story. And here it is. But we begin this podcast in the United States, where President Donald Trump has been ordered to pay $2 million to resolve a lawsuit which alleges that charity money from the Donald J. Trump Foundation was illegally used to fund his election campaign. The lawsuit was filed by the New York State Attorney General's office, and it also implicated President Trump's three eldest children, Don Jr., Ivanka, and Eric. Our correspondent in New York, Neda Tofik, told me more. I mean, isn't that amazing? They come right out and they say it's a crime. They say that it has to do with the election and all this kind of stuff. And she recaps it and says, yeah, you know, this particularly given that he's leading into this impeachment inquiry, this is particularly problematic for him. An impeachment and charges that he abused power and tried to pressure Ukraine to investigate his political rival. So here in this case, you have that he broke New York charity laws in order to further his political ambition. So this looks really bad for the president, particularly at this time. She comes right out and says, you know, this was to further his political ambitions. I have not heard that on any of the news sources in the United States. Are they still treating Trump with kid gloves? She kind of wraps up her little report this way here. That, but I think certainly when you consider this case, it is very, very separate from the impeachment hearings going on in Washington, D.C. I think what people will look at, though, is what this says about the president and how he operates. And certainly what the attorney general has said here in New York is that she believes that the president wanted to get away with this. And she's saying this shows that nobody can get away with breaking the law. Yeah, and the campaign, specifically the campaign finance laws, that he was using the money from his charity to help his own campaign. And, geez, somehow I completely missed that in the American media. 
You're listening to Tom Hartman. CBD oil has got a lot of uses, and a lot of people are discovering the benefits of it, including me. New Leaf Naturals is the CBD oil we're using. CBD oil it doesn't get you high, so you get the benefits of medical marijuana without the marijuana. The CBD is made from hemp. It's non-toxic and has potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. The brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals, NU Leaf Naturals, the highest quality CBD oil on the market, 100% organic, highly concentrated, no additional additives, grown right here in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp, so it remains in its most pure and simple form, and it's legal all across the country. Go to newleafnaturals.com, that's n-u-leafnaturals.com, and save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. Go to nuleafnaturals.com for premium cannabinoid wellness. There's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. Grown right here in the USA, nuleafnaturals.com. Code TOM, that's newleafnaturals.com. So, anyhow, it's a total conflicts to date. Crew, Citizens for Ethics and Government, has put together the total conflicts to date by Donald Trump, conflicts of interest. He's had 69 political events held at Trump properties. 13 foreign governments have held events at Trump properties. 393 visits by President Trump to Trump's businesses. 241 of those were to his golf courses. 103 events held by special interest groups in the United States, American lobbying groups at Trump properties. Trump has received, or his family has received, 63 foreign trademarks. 123 foreign officials have visited a Trump business. 109 members of Congress have visited a Trump business. All of these things being conflicts of interest. There's just no other word to describe what's going on here. This is corruption. This is just raw, naked corruption. But let's get into some of your calls here. Mike in Lamita, California. Hey, Mike, thanks for listening to KPFK. What's on your mind? Hi, Tom. Yeah, I just wanted to predict how Trump will behave based on prior behavior. And there are three main points that I see. One is that he will make irrational choices because he's emotionally infantile. He's not regressed. He just never grew up in the first place. Right. Second point is that he has an abiding sense of his own worthlessness, and he substitutes money and getting up o over other people for love. And he's something of a, an emotional black hole. He has an ever-growing need for attention, and negative attention is just as good to him as positive attention, which right. he will create by lying and uh, telling himself that people believe him. So when he says he wants to be impeached, he's telling a deeper emotional truth, as far as I can see. And third is that he's going to do irrational things to his own detriment because his lifelong deep need is for attention from adults, and negative attention is just as good as positive. What happens around him is going to be uh, very interesting to see. I think we may have something like... In the madness of King George, where his courtiers are basically talking to him most respectfully and ignoring anything he says in terms of uh, doing anything about it. So that's my synopsis on what will happen. It goes to impeachment, even if he's removed by the Senate, which at present doesn't seem terribly likely, but may happen as Republicans peel away. 
I think he will do some sort of bluster and try to declare that it's not valid and yeah. all that sort oh, of thing. He, of course he's going to do all that. My big concern is that he's going to do something that he accused Barack Obama of in the 2012 election. He tweeted before the election in the months of, back in September, October, as I recall, of 2012, several times that any minute now, Barack Obama is going to start a war with Iran so that he can go into the election as a war president, and war presidents always get reelected. And so obviously Trump has been thinking that way for at least a decade and probably much, much longer. I mean, this is this is an old trick, right? It's what Richard Nixon did to get his second term. George Herbert Walker Bush tried to do this with his invasion of Iraq. As his son pointed out to his biographer, his dad made the mistake of not still being at war when people went to the polls. And so Bill Clinton became president. This is something that Republican presidents seem to like to do. You know, George W. Bush did that for the 2004 election. And so that's my biggest concern, that he declares a war someplace and it doesn't turn out to be a little or a regional war. It turns into a World War III kind of scenario. And Iran, I think, could certainly do that. So we'll see. But thank you. Well said on all points. I want to just share a couple of clips here with you. The first is Jack Kennedy. The second is uh, FDR. John F. Kennedy, President Kennedy, before he became President Kennedy, which is what this is a clip of, was pretty upfront that being a liberal was a good thing. He was proud to be a liberal. And he gave a speech to the Liberal Party of New York, which uh, New York has fusion voting, so you can, you can be on two different ballots. You can be on the Democratic Party ballot or the Liberal Party ballot. And, you know, either vote is a vote for the same person, for John Kennedy in this case. So he gave this speech back in 1960 as he was running for president of the United States. And these two clips that I'm going to share with you, I think, capture the essence in part because somebody, an earlier caller, invoked John Kennedy in the Bay of Pigs and said this is when we all kind of grew up as a nation. It certainly was a generational thing. But I think that also what this does is it tells us how Democrats... Democrats who win, Democrats who win repeatedly, Democrats who are beloved, Democrats who, who cow Republicans, who, who the Republicans just cower in the corner in fear of. This is how those Democrats talk. So first, John Kennedy. What do our opponents mean when they apply to us the label liberal? If by liberal they mean, as they want people to believe, Someone who is soft in his policies abroad, who is against local government, and who is unconcerned with the taxpayer's dollar, then the record of this party and its members demonstrate that we are not that kind of liberal. But if by a liberal they mean someone who looks ahead and not behind, someone who welcomes new ideas without rigid reactions, someone who cares about the welfare of the people, their health, their housing, their schools, their jobs, their civil rights, and their civil liberties. Someone who believes that we can break through the stalemate and suspicions that grip us in our policies abroad. If that is what they mean by a liberal, then I'm proud to say that I'm a liberal. So that's, that's Jack Kennedy just basically coming out and saying it. And then uh, here's FDR. Never before in all our history have these forces been so united 
against one candidate as they stand today. They are unanimous in their hate for me, and I welcome their hatred. There you go. And this, I think this should remind us now, we've got, uh, you know, a, a, another cranky billionaire who has jumped into the Democratic, or looks like he's fixing, uh, Michael Bloomberg, uh, fixing to jump into the Democratic Party primaries. And, you know, we'll see where it goes, but I think the billionaires are getting nervous. In fact, there's a headline over in the Financial Times that the billionaires are getting nervous, specifically saying that. And probably the people who have fallen under the sway of the billionaires, you know, the billionaire Rupert Murdoch owns Fox News, and and you know, Fox News on a on a fairly regular, fairly daily basis conveys quote facts, information to people that it turns out are just lies or spin. And between Fox News and right wing hate radio, they've done a really good job of taking some you know otherwise intelligent and decent people and turning them into kind of sad caricatures of, you know, what the billionaires think American conservatives should be. I mean, it's, 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 it's really very sad. It's, it's become essentially tribal. Eddie in San Antonio, Texas. Hey, Eddie, what's up? Hey, Tom. How are you? I'm well. What's on your mind? Uh, so I heard you earlier say that Trump is dividing this country along racial, political gender, all these Religious, lines, right? yes. How do you say that you guys are the party of identity politics? You guys invented identity politics. If you're Hispanic, like I am, I should be voting Democrat. If you're African-American, you should be voting Democrat. If you're LGBTQ, you should be voting Democrat. That's you guys' message, is dividing us along these little fractions. I, I would say that the message of, of Donald Trump is that, you know, Trump has, his, oh, we've got to get Muslims out of the country. You know, his, uh, I'm sorry, Eddie, I don't think, no, you know, anybody's was, that, buying that stuff. You know, that it's, wasn't his message. His, his, his message his, wasn't get Muslims out. His message wasn't... Don't let any Mexicans more Muslims in. I mean, you are, know, it's the same are, thing. And brown people from Mexico, they're, they're terrorists and they're rapists and stuff like this. I mean, you know... That's not what Trump, he said. You're, you're, that's a mischaracterization of what he said, Tommy, um, you know it. No, I, I think that's exactly what he, was, what he said and what he has been saying. And, nope, and I, what, you know, he I, said is, what he said, I watched it. I, and, and look, once again, let me remind you, or, or, or let, me, let me restate this. I am Hispanic. I am the immigrant. Not, not, not my parents, not my grandparents. I am the immigrant. Yeah. I've, I've lived in this country since I was 15 years old. I came here from South America. I'm brown as brown gets. Okay? So have I experienced racism? I absolutely have experienced racism from individuals. Right. Absolutely. I, I've lived 90% of my life in the South. Okay, I, 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 what, what is my situation? I, I'm 44 credit hours shy of my bachelor's degree, but I don't care about my bachelor's degree. I'm a business owner. I built my own company despite not being white and despite not being an American citizen. 
What does that have to do I'm with whether Donald veteran? Trump is using racist? He is using race. I mean, Donald Trump, the guy who said he doesn't want black people counting his money, he wants little guys with yarmulkes. Donald Trump, the guy who promoted birtherism, saying that our first black president was not legitimate. What, what is, Donald what, Trump, what, 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 who said that what, what, what Hispanics were literally Let me finish here for a second. I'll let you talk for a minute. Who, who literally says that, opened his campaign by saying that Hispanics were rapists and murderers, who said that a, 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 a Judge of that. That's not what he said, Tom. Rapists you're, you're and murderers. On to a Those were his exact he phrase. He said that a judge who was who was uh, presiding over the case of the fraud that was his university that he later admitted to and paid a twenty-five million dollar fine for that judge could not be unbiased against him specifically because that judge was Mexican because everybody knows Mexicans hate Donald Trump. Trump was saying he uses Pocahontas as a slur. He said that there are very fine people in Virginia uh, who were you know, uh, wearing Nazi swastikas. He was, he's attacked kneeling That's not F what he said. NFL Once players. again, you're misdirected. Very fine people is the exact phrase he used. That is the phrase he used. Nope. There are some very fine people but on he, both sides. Yeah, but you're taking, you're taking one little segment of everything that he said. He has referred what to people coming in this country about. as an infestation. He's been taking children away from their parents, over 5,000 of them, and putting them so in cages. So was Obama. He said, he said that... So was it, those, no, those President, are from President the Obama, Obama era, was not Tom. separating children from families. He was the only those separation... No, let me finish my damn sentence here. Era. The only separation that occurred during the Obama administration was trafficking. When children were being trafficked, if they were being brought into this country by people who were not their yeah. parents. But Obama... But again, Trump that changed that policy. From the Obama Eddie, era. Eddie, you are, you are, I'm sorry, you are just absolutely wrong. Heather. No, I'm not. You are, Tom, and you're mischaracterizing it. The, the part, the, the worst part about it is that you are flat out blatantly lying. Yeah, right. I think that anybody who is listening, I think we, we have all seen Trump do this. We all know what's going on. We all know no, the story. What, what? There's even more, actually. He was belittling the intelligence of black lawmakers, uh, attacking. Uh, he went after Haitian immigrants. He went after NFL players, all black. CJ in Hoopstown or Hoopston, Illinois. Hey, CJ, what's up? Yeah, I'm calling to give a shout out to the FBI. I, I'm tired of this great organization being trashed by our president. Mm -hmm. They did something awesome. They arrested a domestic terrorist, a white supremacist who was going to attack the um, synagogue in Pueblo, Colorado. That's right. You're, you're yeah, absolutely right. In fact, that's in my stack of stories to rant about today that I have not yet gotten to. Uh, but, you know, the, these we have we have a, an, an Al Qaeda and ISIS among us right now. And, you know, they're called white nationalists, white supremacists and and. Uh, you know, thank God the FBI is tracking these people now and taking care and doing something about it. But, you know, it's what's so bizarre is, you know, for how long, you know, that they didn't. And, and these groups just like, you know, grew. Like I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. It seems like things are, are changing a little bit to the better. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just like I say, I, I uh, was out in Pueblo last week visiting my sister-in-law, who is a uh, member of that congregation. So. So she was a member of the synagogue who, who this guy was yes. going to blow up? Yes. Wow, that's cutting close to the bone. That's amazing. Yeah. And she's been extremely paranoid for over a year now because of the Pittsburgh right. shooting. Tree of life and, shooting, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, anti-Semitism is, is part and parcel of, of 
uh, you know, white supremacy. It's just, it's, it's a yeah. terrible thing. CJ, thank you for sharing the story with us. I appreciate it. George in Chicago. Hey, George, what's up? Well, first I'd like to offer hearty congratulations to you and Louise on 47 happy years together. Well, thank you. Briefly, might I say that characterizing Trump supporters as maggots is unfairly maligning the maggot that has a very useful role in nature. Well, we were just talking about that, Nate and I, just a few minutes ago. Nate and Sean and I, it's, it's like, you know, oh, maggots are creepy. And, and like, no, maggots actually, they're part of nature's great recycling machine. You know, they recycle dead stuff, basically, into into soil and nutrients and stuff. And, and you know, they're just embryonic flies or larval flies, I guess, literally. Um, so, yeah, okay. And even today they have medical applications where they can clean out wounds better than just about anything. You're, you're absolutely but, right. Um, yeah. The main is simply this, um, this outrageous assault on the telephone systems of uh, Democratic congressmen. There's a precedent for this. I wish I could recall what presidential year this was. It, up in New Hampshire, but, you're talking about? Yeah, but it was a Republican phone banking yep. operation in Virginia that overloaded all the Democratic offices on Election Day so people couldn't call for rides to the polls That's or where right. their polling place was or uh, campaign workers to check in for their instructions, That's right. et cetera. I and think people that was were arrested and prosecuted and sent to prison for that. So yeah. I would urge everybody to call your congressman and call the Speaker's office and say, contact the relevant U.S. attorneys. We want an investigation and we right. want prosecutions for this. Yeah, I think that was the 2004 election, but I could be wrong. I'm, I, You're I, right. I, it was Kerry's election. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's, that was my recollection. And, and, and the guys had some connection to New Hampshire, or maybe it was in New Hampshire that they were shutting down the voting. Area. But but yes, I remember it uh, sort of well. <laughs> George, thanks a lot for the call. You're, you're right. I mean, another Republican trick, right? This is this is the kind of stuff Roger Stone was an expert at shutting down the elections. If you can't win fair, steal it. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archive. Or more accurately, if you can't win fair, cheat the Republican motto. We'll be right back. Breaking news. I finally found a topic everyone can agree on. No matter what party you support, the ideas you believe in or opinions you may have, we can all agree on the fact that aging stinks. Under eye bags, fine lines, wrinkles, crow's feet, no one can escape it. Luckily, I found just the product to help. It's called Plexiderm Rapid Reduction Serum, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates all your key signs of aging. And the best part is it works in minutes. Now that's newsworthy. No bias here. Plexiderm works. I tried it, and you should too. No invasive surgeries, no complications, and the best part is no one has to know you're wearing it. Uh, I look just like me, only 10 years younger. Go to Ple- tryplexiderm.com and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M, for 50% off plus an additional 10 bucks off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available, available by calling one 800 685-1292 and mentioning the code TOM, T-H-O-M. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com today and use the code TOM, T-H-O-M, at checkout. That's triplexiderm.com, code TOM. George in Portland, Oregon. Hey, George, what's on your mind today? 
I was wanted to talk about Fox News and right wing hate radio, which you've been mentioning today. Yeah, this has gotten um, the topic of hate. I'm even seeing this with some of my neighbors. It's starting to it just seems like it's everywhere. And Louise had this encounter on an airplane. Anyhow, to you, George, it's your turn. Thank you. I, I feel like it's just not given enough uh, stock. It's not really talked about enough. Um, there was a, a movie documentary on Netflix, something about what they did to my father. Yeah, Jen Seiko's uh, The Brainwashing of My Dad is the, the title of the movie, and you can dad, see yeah. it, I think, over on Hulu. The thing that struck me most about that film was the actual physical characteristics of the man when he was under that spell. I mean, it's not something that I've heard anyone mention, but the look on his face, the tightness of the muscles in his face were different. He looked different. That's right. I, I think that there's people being brainwashed so thoroughly in our country for decades now. I mean, there's children whose parents are watching Fox News who never turn off the television. So these children are being raised hearing these things over day in and day out, how evil Democrats are, how evil liberals are. And all they really want to do with Trump is trigger the left. I mean, the man has no policy. He's not doing anything for any American. It's all about triggering the left. It's all about right. this this blood sport now. Yep. Owning the libs is their phrase. And basically what it means is betraying your country. I think it's just uh, reprehensible. George, thank you for the call and thanks for, for your, your thoughts. Larry in Santa Monica it says you uh, don't think that I should use the word maggot here to describe yeah. people who are wearing MAGA hats? Yeah. Hey, hey Tom, how are you? I'm, I'm a total liberal. I, I, I literally bleed blue blood, but... Well, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't um, matter. I mean, you know, we can talk about this from any perspective. Yeah. I, well, I just want to let you know I'm not a right... It is disrespectful. <laughs> I agree with you. To call somebody wearing a MAGA hat a maggot. I don't but, mind disrespect. I don't mind disrespect. That's, that's fine in political discourse, actually. But I think calling somebody a maggot is, is dehumanizing. And, you know, it's, it's, that's dehumanizing war language. We have to be very careful with that. I mean, mm -hmm. I understand your sentiment, and I'm not accusing you of hate or Because it's like a non-human animal, you mean? It, because it's a non-human right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, interesting. So I just, that's I, I that's just the one argument, know. Larry, that, that uh, you know, causes me to stop and think, huh, maybe I shouldn't call them maggots. I don't know. Let me, let me think about that. Uh, it just, you know, I, what would Republicans call us if MAGA was our slogan? I'm pretty sure they'd be calling us maggots, but you're right. It, it, it is dehumanizing. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. So Larry provokes a fascinating question. What do you call people who wear MAGA hats? You're listening to Tom Hartman. Alice in Honolulu, Hawaii. Hey, Alice, what's up? Hey, cheat, light, steal, and kill. All of those are values. Tragically, it seems, yeah. Um, so, which actually separates us. This isn't what I was going to talk about, but... It's almost as though you can tell who's going to be in which camp by whether they are willing to lie, cheat, steal, or harm. Well, there's one, there's a huge caveat to that, Ellis, and that is if you talk to, there's, there's a lot of really, you know, good-hearted people in the, in the white Christian evangelical movement who have become followers of Donald Trump, what I was previously calling maggots, and, and they're being lied to. I mean, this is, this is uh, you know, in, I think it's in John. Absolutely, um, they're you know. being lied to. Yeah, the and warning. this comes to my topic. Yeah, okay, go ahead with your topic. So 
You keep saying Fox hate, and there's one other term you use. If you've been paying attention to Rachel Maddow recently, you may have seen, um, especially the last week or so, Uh that more and more connections are being made of Russian money into different things. And I think it might be useful. I would invite you to consider calling Fox News and so-called hate radio Russian-sponsored, because we can bet, just like we saw Russian impact in the NRA, the policies of Reagan that you were talking about being put in, I think that we can see connection back to white supremacist Nazis who are attempting to re-arise, and Russians, mm, and there's a couple of others in the group um, that got scooped up, the evangelicals and the Qs. I mm-hmm. think those are more the good-hearted people that got fooled. Yeah. But the ones who would like to undo democracy have an unholy alliance, if you will. And uh, I think my, that my, we uh, can go way back on this. Yeah, my concern about um, being and then go that, ahead. And then there's uh, one other thing. My concern about being that specific about it is that what we are learning is that it's not just Russia and it's not just Russians. In fact, you know, the principal oligarch, uh, Dmitry Firtash, who looks like he's the guy who was putting up the money that Lev and Igor were using to pay Giuliani a half a million bucks and do dirty tricks for Donald Trump. He's a Ukrainian billionaire. And you've got, uh, you know, the billionaires who bailed out Jared Kushner. They were Middle Eastern billionaires. Uh, Seth Abramson wrote this book, Proof of Conspiracy. Well, hang on just a second. Seth Abramson's book, Proof of Conspiracy, lays out that there's actually this network of billionaire oligarchs from six different countries. Um, You know, the only one that's a a functioning democracy is Israel. But, you know, Israel, UAE, Saudi Arabia, Russia, and I forget the other two uh, right off the top of my head, but it's all in Seth's book. And he was on this program talking about it. I think what we're looking at is not so much, you know, Putin and the Russian government sitting down and saying, we're going to mess with democracies all around the world. (laughs) I think it's a bunch of oligarchs sitting around saying, how can we mess with governments all around the world? And they're very nice to the governments that are run by strongmen, you know, you know, the Erdogan in Turkey or, or uh, right. Putin in they Russia. absolutely woo them. Right. I can see but that I, happening. But I, um, but I think the problem so is I the oligarchs, not at, the countries. Let's look at Russian money to the senators and rep- representatives as oh, well. Yeah, Seven million bucks in the last election cycle went to Mitch McConnell and a couple of other Republican uh, senators. I think there was three of them all together. I was talking about it on Tuesday. Liz in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Watch this on Free Speech TV. Hey, Liz, what's on your mind? We, we live not too far from El Paso, mm-hmm. and that was pretty scary what happened over there. Yeah. I grew up in New England, and I, I've always wrapped a scarf around my head in the winter to keep warm, and now I'm afraid to do that because I'm afraid people might think I'm Muslim. And, 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 and it just, It kind of stinks to be so paranoid, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it really, it really does. So, yeah. I, I, anyway, I share your concern, Liz. I, I, I think that hate is. I mean, hate is an emotion. It's, it's fairly easy to stir up in people because it's part of our fight or flight response. It's, it's, it's wired into us as a survival thing. Oh and, yeah. And Trump is playing us like a fiddle. And and Fox News and right wing hate radio. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just absolutely breathtaking what's going on. No, um, I agree with you yeah, on that. Yeah. But I also wanted to, I don't know if you saw the footage of the transit worker in uh, San Francisco who grabbed the the guy, the drunk guy who fell in front of a BART. He fell down into the, you know, the transit. Right, yeah, on the, the tracks. BART transit in San Francisco runs on these tracks. Right. I'd, and he fell down and he would have been killed. 
but this guy reacted really quickly. And what he said is, well, that's that's what we got to do for each other, you know? Right. We're, we're all human beings. we got to take yep. care of each other. Yep. Yep. And that's what I believe. Yeah, so. and we have to constantly remind ourselves of that when Mother Culture, as Dan Quinn used to call it, whispers in our ear, oh, look at that person. He's different from you. He's probably not as good as you. I mean, this, you know, he's somebody that you should dislike or whatever. These, these things come out of our culture, and they're constantly you know, being whispered to us by not just our culture around us, but also our little internal voices. And we need to push back on that. We need to recognize it, and we need to say, wait a minute, you know, I'm not going to go down that road. Yeah. Right, we've got to rise above it and be, be better than that. There you go. Yeah. Amen. Liz, thank you very well, much for Thanks for, for being there, Tom. Yep, you're welcome. Good talking to you. Letty, in Brea, California, you wanted to get back to our uh, discussion earlier about hate in America. Yes, absolutely. I had an incident that happened on 4th of July, this past 4th of July. Mm-hmm. My family and I went to Las Vegas, and we decided to go to the theater. And we were in line. We were going through the phone because we're like members of the theater for coupons. It wasn't our turn to go yet. And this man behind us very rudely says, hey, pay attention. You know, I didn't think anything of it. I said, it's not our turn yet, sir. You know, you don't have to be rude. And then he said, Hispanics. In such a disdainful and just like he was disgusted by us. Him and my husband exchanged his words, and that was it. We got our stuff. We went. We uh, served our drinks. And I noticed he came to where we were at, and he served his drink. And right before he left, he leaned over, and he said uh, something to the effect of, hey, I have my pistola in my car. And pistola means gun. Right. And the first thing that came out of my mouth was like, oh, you're one of those, like, you know, trying to be brave. And then it just clicked on me. I'm like, you just threatened us. And people all around us suddenly were like, hey, did he just threaten you? And it just like suddenly was very scary. And he just started taking off and just walking like nothing had happened. I mean, it it was very obvious that that was what his problem was. And I'm not being, you know, exaggerating or, or like, oh, you know, I'm just, you know, being too seen things that are not there. There was no reason for him to come and say that and yeah. say pistola in Spanish. Um, and just one more point, Tom. I just, I don't care what the polls say at this point as far as people that back up, you know, Trump. They're morally bankrupt. Yep. And they are okay with this. And, you know, a month later was the El Paso shooting. And I look like those people that got shot. I sound like them. And I have similar backgrounds. And this is getting really... Ridiculous. This is my country, just like everybody else's, and this has to stop. And I, I'm very scared that this man might still be president in the next election. I mean, I just don't even know what to say anymore. This yeah. is getting way out of control. Well, Letty, thank you for sharing your story with us. I'm so sorry to hear how you were treated. And I, I hope that we can all, and everybody listening right now or watching this program, will redouble their efforts and their commitment to get all of their friends and neighbors who are of similar, of like mind and people of decent, core human decency will reach out and say, no, you know, this will not stand. This will not stand. You're listening to Tom Hartman. People are always asking me, is the X chair really as comfortable as you say? And my answer is always yes. In fact, I probably don't do a good enough job describing just how great that chair feels, so or this chair. 
So take my advice, get one and feel it for yourself. Thanks to the X-Chair's 30-day, no questions asked, guarantee of complete satisfaction. You have no risk. So if you're wondering if what I say is true, try it for yourself. Once you feel the X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar support, their DVL, you'll understand exactly why I love my X-Chair so much. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option and increase your productivity with the right model for you, the X-Basic or X1 through X4. The X-Chair can fit your body and your budget. X-Chair is now on sale for $100 off. Just go to xchairtom.com. That's xchairtom.com or call 1-844-4X-Chair. Go to xchair.com now and use the code WHEELS and you'll receive a free set of the new X-Wheels with your X-Chair. xchairtom.com. That's xchairtom.com or call 1-844-4X-Chair. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you and uh, Norma in Inverness, Florida. Hey, Norma, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm well. What's up? What's up? People teach their children, if not by rote, by actions. My granddaughter was around four years old, and she was playing with what then she thought was her best friend, who was a little boy, and he decided that he was going to jump on her while she was on the couch and thankfully my daughter-in-law and my son had taught her to take care of herself and she propelled him off the other end of the couch and hurt his family jewels and told him never to do that again she didn't like it mm. and where he learned that from is his father who beats his mother and hates women oh jeez See, I, you know, I think there's, there's two levels of this, Norma. It's, yes, some people learn hate in their families, and they learn it the way that they grow up, and, and even just having authoritarian parents. But there's also mother culture. Um, you know, I, I was talking with a couple of uh, you know, free speech donors the other day and, and, and talking about how you know, when I was growing up, all of the characterizations of people on color on, of color on television, which is mother culture. I mean, it's how, you know, it's how, it, it, television is one of our great trainers, right? One of the things it teaches us. We're all either bad guys or buffoons. And so yeah, there's this cute. automatic voice that pops up in my head when I confront or come into contact with people of color that is suggesting that they're probably like that. And intellectually, inside my own head, I have to say, no, stop, wait a minute. No, we're all people here because... That's how I grew up. I mean, that's the world in which I grew up. And I, I I'm guessing, and I've had this conversation with a number of people, particularly my age, people in their 60s, that these haunt us. And we've got to overcome this stuff. Back to you, Norman. I know. And I have a friend, well, a relative who calls all the MAGA people, including their chief, the Mango Lobster and the Mango Mobsters. Yeah, well, that's you know, colorful, but it's not quite as colorful as maggots. Uh, Norma, thank you for the call. Richard in Rio Rico, Arizona. Hey, Richard, what's on your mind today? Yes, sir. Thank you so much for my continuing education. I just wanted to reiterate that this is nothing new in this society. Uh, <clears throat> I got out of the Army uh, in 1976, went to work for the railroads, manly, you know, masculine job. I'm telling you, I've heard every racist comment. I married a Mexican girl from El Paso, Texas, and I'm telling you, I've lived this nightmare for 47 years.
Yeah, just living that. I had guys put guns to my head, their imaginary guns to my head, and told me they had the solution for my problem. Because you're married to a Hispanic woman. And I've always been very liberal, yes. That's astonishing. Richard, thank you for sharing your story with us. I'm, 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 I'm sorry to hear how it's turned out, but you know, good on you for, for staying married 47 years. Louise and I will be there uh, next week, 47 years. Thank you, Richard. Jacqueline in Seattle. Hey, Jacqueline, your thoughts? I uh, was recently in Spain, just came back last week, and I walked the Camino de Santiago Trail mm-hmm. in the northern Basque Country. Yes. And, uh, it's a beautiful country, isn't across, it? Oh, yes. I, I enjoyed it, especially because I was not in this country. Yeah. <laughs> there was no hate there. People actually helped each other, and even though we had a hard time communicating, we took the time to help each other and get us through to the next yeah. town. Anyway, uh, the people I came across from France, from England, from Australia, nobody was in support of our tr- our president. Yeah. How, how it has not just impacted our country, but the world. So it's your experience hanging out for a week and, and walking that trail in northern Spain um, and meeting all these people from all over the world who are all, what, appalled by Trump or just don't care or what? what what's the general, uh, how would you describe their reaction to Trump? First, they can't believe that we elected a person like that. Yeah. And the, the highest power in this country and how it has affected the entire world. Yeah, yeah, it really... Interactions with other countries. Yeah, it really and truly is, uh, you know, extraordinary uh, what has happened. It, 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 it really is. And uh, you, you didn't find literally even one person who was supportive of Donald Trump. I know, in, you know, Spain has... They're, they're having a problem right now with the people in, in the... Uh, it's over on the other side of the country. The Catalan people in, in Barcelona, principally, who want to separate from Spain. Right. Yes. And I was not near that area. Yeah. But no, not one supporter of Trump. And That's the people remarkable. from England I talked to, they didn't understand why they had to go down that road to Brexit. It's going to have such a horrible financial impact on that country. Yeah. Well, you know, time will tell, but uh, it's it looks like maybe it was the same billionaires who were promoting both of them. Jacqueline, thanks for sharing right. your story with us. I appreciate it. You're uh, welcome. It's fascinating. Um, I, I should have asked if you got to Mandragon, uh, which was just an amazing place. Louise and I were there some years back. I wrote a chapter about it for my book, Threshold, the world's largest co-op, play-owned co-op. Welcome back. Christopher in Moores, New York. Hey, Christopher, what's up? I have some experience with being a libertarian at one point. So did I. And my point of view had changed when I started listening to more socially conscious people. Now I'm a Bernie supporter, so I, I think I don't know where exactly to go with that, but it seems to be that some libertarians are actually open to some things more I think, than I, you know, if, Republicans if, if, if you take out, I mean, the Libertarian Party was started in the 1950s by a group called FIA, a lobbying organization that was in the real estate industry. And they, they created this political party specifically to provide cover for, uh, you know, industry-friendly legislation, industry-friendly laws, and, you know, to provide an intellectual framework around basically corporations' 
running the government. And, uh, you know, they, they've got these nice sounding stuff. You know, I used to make this joke that libertarians are just Republicans who want to smoke dope and get laid because they, they want to decriminalize pot and prostitution. But fiscally, they're just Republicans. They don't think that there should be any social programs whatsoever. No Social Security, no Medicare, no nothing. And I think that there's a certain idealism there associated with that that actually appealed to me when I was in my 20s. I flirted with libertarianism for the better part of a year. And I think that because it appeals to individuals' idealism, that people who identify as libertarians are very, very great. You know, great. It's a great opportunity talking to people like that to say, you know, here's how this works and here's how that works. And by the way, libertarianism has literally never, ever worked anywhere in the world. And every time it's been tried, it, it has failed. Most recently with the great libertarian experiment of Iraq, which is what L. Paul Bremer was supposed to do. And so I think that your point and the arc of your politics, Christopher, is a great example of that. Christopher, thanks for the call. Michael in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hey, Michael, what's up? I just wanted to bring up the ideas of um, Daniel Quinn and in, in the books that he's written. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever read any of his books. I'm sure you have. I have read all of his books, and Dan and I have had many long conversations about his books. Uh, uh, he's well, passed away now. Well, but, uh, in right, fact, he's right. been on our so, show a few times. Right. Okay. So then you'd be, you're very familiar with this. My, my point is to get people to realize that, you know, you can change who's in charge, but without systematic change the person who's in charge is going to have a have an uphill battle so he says in his book beyond civilization that vision is to culture what gravity is to matter and i'm sure you understand what that means and overall his basic point is how mother culture is whispering in our ears about things that we've accepted as as the norm and stuff like that and and um things that get carried on like the messages we relay to each other get carried on generation after generation just like the genes in our body get carried on generation after generation right. our bodies are just the vessels for all of this yeah so without without real change i fear that even if bernie sanders or elizabeth warren or whoever and any of them would be infinitely better than donald trump um i fear that it would be an uphill battle um and i really think that people need to understand that it's one thing to put in a progressive or a Democrat, but it's a completely another thing to actually institute systematic change, which is really what I think this country needs in general. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And this is, uh, and tragically, a lot of the problems that we have that are systemic were caused by the Supreme Court just coming out and saying, hey, we just decided corporations are people and entitled to rights under the Bill of Rights. Or, hey, we just decided that billionaires passing out money is constitutionally protected free speech. And now we're dealing with this crap. It's, it's amazing. Michael, thank you for the call. Gary in Baden, Pennsylvania. Hey, Gary, what's up? This is entrenched greed. I pray that we are not past the breaking point. If we're at the breaking point, we can fix it. But if we're past, that's something we don't know. It's like a cancer, right? Mm-hmm. If a person has cancer, it's how deep it, 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 it's in the body. And you can't get it out. The same analogy. Wouldn't you, would you agree? No, I've been saying for years that we are now at the cancer stage of capitalism. Yeah. Right. You have been. And the reason I called, I want to use a word that I've never used before. One day the elevator went to the top floor with me. I came up with, I think another way to describe America with money, and money can do good things too. 
So I want to be fair. Money can do good things. We need it. You need to work. You need to make a living. But it's just this balance that we don't have. So the word I came up with, we've lost our composure with money in America. Period. I believe that. We've lost our composure. Is that a good word? I think you're right, Gary. And it's our value system that got turned upside down. And it got turned upside down in 1981 by Ronald Reagan and his buddies, where, you know, after the Carter administration, where Jimmy Carter famously walked from Congress to the White House after his inauguration and and had, you know, average working people invited to all of the balls and things. And Reagan said, screw that. I'm going to go in the limousine and we're going to and we're going to have, uh, you know, and if you want to attend one of our balls, you got to pay us 10,000 bucks or whatever it was. And, and uh, you know, and then and then TV got in the act and you had Dynasty and, you know, all these other shows that right. were celebrating great wealth. They all came about in the 1980s mm-hmm. and we recalibrated our, our thinking and we started basically holding up. We call them captains of the universe, right? The, the, the banks. You know, I think also, you know, also, I think happened. What's that? I think we became too starry-eyed, and it's continuing. You well, know that's what my I'm point. I mean, I the, the, the people who own the media and who own now our political system as a result of the Supreme Court in 76 and 78, now those people have turned the media in a direction to say, okay, uh, we're the ones who should be the stars. We're the ones who should be celebrated. We're the glitterati. You know, we're the, you know, the, yeah, the, the yeah. wealthy people. So, and this kind of whole celebrity culture turned from movie right. stars to rich people. Right, exactly. Exactly. So in closing, in closing, I, I must say this, you know, in the end, in the end, we can't, we've got to stop blaming the politicians. We've got to get, as you say, you're the one that says it, got to become more active and involved because if we want our country to rebound, it'll be up to us in the end, not the politicians, right or wrong. Yeah, I'm with you. Gary, thank you very much for the call. It's good to hear from you. This, I, this is a, a pretty amazing issue, actually, if you think about it. I mean, prior to the 1980s, and if you're old enough to remember, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, ask somebody. Prior to the 1980s, the average people on TV were average middle-class people. After the 1980s, they were wealthy people. There's been a shift. Russ in Portland. Hey, Russ, what's on your mind today? You need to read a book by Christopher Wiley. Yeah, we had him on this program a couple of months ago, about a month or so ago, when his book first came out. Cambridge Analytica has been reconstituted inside the Trump campaign. Yes. That's the problem. Yes. That's the problem. And he has the six foot eight inch Rasputin clone name of Brad Parscale. Parscale, He says he's going to create a Trump dynasty in this country. And this is how he's going to do it. And people need to know what is And Mark Zuckerberg is is all fine to help him out doing it. About the Hispanics who worship Trump, like the, the woman's relatives in uh, Texas and mm-hmm. the guy you had on the air, it, it all comes down to right-wing Catholicism. That's what it's about. I know that that's a very, very large factor, although I think with that particular caller also, his being a wealthy business owner had something to do with it. Russ, thank you for the call. Share progressive media with your friends and get out there, get active, tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.